Welcome, everybody. It's time once again for you to jump in the water, swim out with your board, and see if you can pick up that sales pipeline that's just starting to curl over the horizon there with your host, Matt Hines. Hey, Matt. Uh, thank you very much for finding us. Thank you for subscribing. We are available on Google Play, iTunes Store, Stitcher, and everywhere that fine podcasts are available. And, of course, every episode of Sales Pipeline Radio, every past, present, future episode, available on-demand download at salespipelineradio.com. Each week we are featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. Today is no different. I am super excited. Uh, this guy's crazy busy doing some amazing stuff and really, really excited to have with us today the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer of Avalara, Jeremy Kors. Jeremy, thanks so much for joining us today on Sales Pipeline Radio. Hey, Matt, my pleasure. So many things we could talk about uh, here. I think, you know, you've got an amazing background, you know, spend a ton of time at Microsoft, a lot of time at T-Mobile. Talk a little bit about transitioning from enterprise software and and, uh, and the, the mobile industry to sales tax software. What tell, yeah. Talk about your background and sort of how that led you to Avalara. Yeah, interesting. Well, I have uh, been, yeah, as you can see, most of my career in a big company, you know, often in uh, – uh, entrepreneurial roles in the company, I guess an intrapreneur, so to say, as I've had the opportunity to start and grow and, and restart some businesses in some of those companies and, and ultimately uh, uh, worked on one of the largest re, uh, restarts, which was the Windows business at Microsoft when we uh, completely rethought um, brand Windows and the product, product Windows uh, after the launch of Windows 8 to uh, launch what is now Windows 10. So it's pretty fun. Um, learned a ton through that, but frankly, always had this yearning to do something uh, even more entrepreneurial and at a, you know looking for a company that's on a, a, uh, this next phase of growth and trying to take some of my uh, big company skills and apply them in a way that really helps um, you know grow a smaller company. And for me, although Avalara is a very substantial company, you know, 20,000 plus companies uh, uh, using us already, a global company uh, with a global presence, uh, for me it was much smaller. And it really is exactly what I was looking for is getting to take some of my some of the skills I have and learn all kinds of new ones daily here and really feeling like having uh, you know the hands on the wheel. Uh, every day in a sense of accountability. So it's, it's been great, having a lot of fun. And the other thing is that is that I've had uh, about half my career in uh, consumer marketing and product management and the other in uh, B2B product management marketing. And uh, Avalara is one of these brands that uh, has all the um, you know, all the realness of a B2B solution with a real ROI, but for those who know the brand, and hopefully many will over, over the coming years, it's got this consumer-esque energy in it. So it, to me, it's really the best uh, in terms of environment and getting to be a CMO of a brand like this, uh, just the best of both worlds. I love it. I mean, it is a very unique brand. Uh, Avalara founded up here in the Seattle area. It's founded on Bainbridge Island across the uh, Across Elliott Bay from downtown Seattle now has a large presence downtown Seattle as well. What you know, you're, what are some of the lessons that you learned in brand management uh, across sales and technology that you've been able to apply to to Avalara today? And how has brand management in software and technology changed since you started doing this to where you are today and where Avalara is today? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I sometimes call myself the uh, accidental CMO. I actually uh, started life in finance, um, then uh, ended up in uh, product management, uh, and then general management. And it just so happened that those functions uh, in the companies I was in, whether it was at T-Mobile or Microsoft, is in the marketing department. And so uh, I learned a lot of my marketing on the job, frankly. Uh, but what I learned, one of the key learnings I have is that so many people, particularly outside of marketing, but sometimes even within the function, confuse branding with brand. 
And what mm. I've learned over time is brand is really uh, when used effectively, when built with an outside-in approach, uh, you know, looking at customer feedback, competitive dynamics, looking at the internal company assets and capabilities, all of those strategic uh, uh, things that one would look at is that brand is really the essence of strategy. Is what is that North Star, the aspiration the company has to deliver value and benefit to whichever set of customers they're, they're targeting. And so, you know, I have learned that. I've been I've taught that through experience of just how powerful brand can be as a tool that used across the entire organization. Uh, and particularly in some of my roles like at, at uh, T-Mobile and particularly even at, Win at Windows is how can that brand aspiration be used um, from the very start, you know, before it is really starting with the end in mind, before a piece of code is even written, what is the aspiration and experience and that brand perception we want to deliver to that end customer so they, they know to choose um, our brand versus one other. And that just goes throughout the entire organization. You know, here at Avalara, we're, uh, we're refreshing our, our brand, actually not our branding, our logo saying exactly the same, uh, but rather what we're, um, our new brand position of tax compliance done right, we're actually activating across the entire organization such that finance knows hey, I better be able to bill someone accurately and on time or else what does that mean about the perception that someone may have about our brand delivering an accurate, mm -hmm. timely solution as it relates uh, to uh, tax compliance. So in sum, uh, this notion of brand versus branding and just how every function in the organization is critical in delivering that experience to the customers so that they understand what the, uh, the company is about and can make the right choice when it comes to finding a solution. I love the distinction you're making between brand and branding. Super helpful. We're talking to Jeremy Korst, who's the uh, Chief Marketing Officer for Avalara here today on Sales Pipeline Radio. And curious your reaction to where a lot of startups focus their marketing today. You don't, I don't see as many startups really focused on brand or branding. Uh, you know, I think a lot of folk, a lot of B2B marketers and B2B marketing leaders tend to sort of orient themselves towards lead generation, sales pipeline contribution. Uh, or even just say, you know, like there's plenty of people that say, well, you know, brand marketing, traditional marketing is dead. It's all about growth hacking now. I don't know that it's an either or. I don't know those things are mutually exclusive. But how do you think about the balance between sort of brand branding and then driving sort of, per, you know, d direct sales and revenue performance in the organization? Well, I think it all has to be related. And, you know, when I left uh, Microsoft and started on my pursuit of saying, hey, what's next? I intentionally took some time off and spent uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, with some West Coast companies, uh, tech companies in particular of various sizes, as well as uh, venture capital community. And what, you know, what became clear to me um, was that a lot of uh, our brethren tech companies start up with this, uh, you know, this really interesting, uh, unique, often niche technology solution. And uh, in some cases, it, you know, it almost sells itself, just being a niche and being um, the type of value it drives. And so as, that, as those companies grow, uh, marketers join the company, and uh, really it is about, hey, how do I just feed that uh, demand engine um, and make sure that I have an effective way of driving somebody from interest to lead to close deal, whether that's virtually via, via some type of freemium model online or whether it's a more, even more traditional um, B2B inside sales type uh, type organization. But what what I found in talking with a lot of companies, some of which I'm an advisor to or on the board now, is that a uh, company often comes to this growth challenge 
and it may be, hey, I need to I need to expand into a new channel. Maybe I need to add a new product, or perhaps a competitor has en entered the space that I now have this challenge. And often they have not attracted the type of marketing capabilities in the organization that really can step back and address those challenges in a strategic manner. You know, segmentation, targeting, positioning, all these um, all these frameworks that are really powerful tools that some of the larger brand companies have developed over over time. And what we find is that hey, with with some some of these simple models and lessons learned over the years, we can apply those brand strategies to those problems to at least give some clarity about, okay, what are the growth opportunities? And then how can I use my brand strategy to, um, to then drive that unique position in the marketplace and add a new customer target or add a new channel? And in brand today, you know, it's no longer the, uh, you know, I think Matt, you and I missed out on the two martini lunches and the Mad Men <laughs> on Madison yeah. Avenue. You know, you can't, you can't spend enough in traditional advertising to truly reposition a bad product. When I say, when I think about brand and that unique position in the market and the hearts and minds of customers, is how do we build the product to deliver on that promise? How do we ensure that when sales interacts with that first customer experience or via the website, that we are building on that brand perception such that it can then fuel the growth that the company is looking to do? So I don't see it in the net. I don't see it separable. It's all part of the same strategy. I would agree with you. Uh, just quick before we uh, take a break here in a couple minutes, I wanted to ask you, you've been at, you've been at Avalara now for almost a year. Um, you know, what are some surprises or opportunities that you maybe didn't expect when you came in that you've recognized uh, that are sort of, you know, getting you excited about the years ahead? Yeah, we are just getting started. The company has been around for a while. Uh, we're on a, uh, you know, a really good growth trajectory uh, right now with some of the advents of global commerce and e-commerce. More and more customers are becoming aware of the challenges they have with trying to comply with ever-changing and complicated transactional tax compliance, which is what we do um, to uh, support companies. We have a cloud-based solution that automates that for them. But our one of our biggest challenges is really category awareness. It's when our, you know, this sales and use tax and excise tax has been around for, uh, in some cases, thousands of years, all the way back to Egyptian and Phoenician times. Um, but getting somebody to be able to wake up and become aware that they may have a problem that they should seek a solution to address. You know, even in other parts of my career, it's been more around, hey, we're in a competitive existing category. How do I position my thing or my widget better than somebody else's widget at a different price position, however I was going to do that? But just this notion now of, okay, how do we actually build a category? How do we, how do we challenge the status quo such that people become interested in solving a problem and thereby seeking a solution and then doing all the things that traditional marketers do to take that from interest down to choice? I love it. We're going to have to take a quick break here, pay some bills. We'll be back in a couple seconds with more with Jeremy Korst. He's the CMO at Avalara. We're going to talk a little more about his his prioritization of mentorship, a little bit of team building. We're also going to find out how a Pacific Northwest born and bred guy ends up such a racing fan, an auto racing fan. We'll get there when we get back. Thanks for listening. Sales Pipeline Radio. It's no longer enough for B2B marketers to feed their sales team with qualified leads, supply them with content, and bid them good luck the rest of the way. Today's full funnel marketers are actively working side by side with the sales team throughout every stage of the buying journey and sales process 
embracing revenue responsibility and measuring their impact based on not just sales pipeline contribution, but marketing influence on closed business and direct revenue growth. Download your free copy of Matt Hines' latest book, Full Funnel Marketing at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. Struggling to align your sales and marketing teams? Maybe you're attempting to implement an ABM strategy in your organization where your content is underperforming. Whatever the challenge, Heinz Marketing has some great on-demand workshops to help. All of them are fully online and on-demand, so you can access the content whenever you want. You will also receive an interactive workbook, the presentation slides, and templates, all for $195. Visit www.heinzmarketing.com workshops. That's H-E-I-N-Z marketing.com and get started now. All right, back to Matt Hines as he continues to swing for the fences with his guests. Oh, man, it is, it's, always, it's always depressing for me. You know, I, I love <laughs> baseball, and it's such a great long season. Then you get to the end of the World Series, and it's it. It's over. And it's, uh, I had to tell my son yesterday we weren't going to get to watch the Cubs again until after Valentine's Day, and he was, he was distraught. He wanted to know why they were – were they tired? Why weren't they playing anymore? He's like, he's six. He didn't quite get the season thing yet. That's why they Thanks created, that's why they created that? football. That's why they created football. Well, to yeah, fill in got, those few instruments. That's right. Uh, and maybe that's why they created racing. So we're, we're joined today by uh, the CMO of Avalara, Jeremy Corson. You know, Jeremy, I noticed in, in your Twitter uh, bio that you, 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 you list a number of interests, and it's a long list of interests and a very diverse list of interests. But you start with NASCAR, NHRA, the National Hot Rod Association, and Formula One. So the big question is, how does a Seattle guy, how does a Pacific Northwest guy get this into racing? Yeah, that uh, good question, Matt. That all started back really at uh, well at Microsoft. But I guess back I grew up in a small town, so and I remember watching Days of Thunder back in the day when it came out. But you know, I'd never really had that much uh, involvement or interest until I got to Microsoft, and we ended up I, I got to be the executive sponsor for a technology partnership with NASCAR and Hendrick Motorsports, which is the leading team uh, NASCAR historically, and. So I'll tell you what, I, uh, I was able to go back, watch a race, and was just hooked to see a combination of the technology and testosterone all put together and just the teamwork that it takes and the human element of that sport. Um, it's one of those things that, frankly, it's really tough to see on, on TV, but being able now to uh, have lots of friends uh, in that uh, motorsport as well as several others now and be able to get some, particularly the behind-the-scenes look, uh, into the sport has just been just so cool for me. So I, I still spend a lot of time. Uh, uh, my wife may say uh, too much time, uh, but uh, <laughs> learning and getting involved in, in those. I think yeah, it's interesting. I think you know, racing is definitely one of those sports that if you don't if you don't really uh, know much about it, you think okay, it's just a bunch of left hand turns. Uh, but uh, you know, my dad's been a big NASCAR fan forever, and he's gone to a bunch of races, and he takes his headset and he listens to the chatter amongst uh, amongst the drivers and their pit crew, and he says just just fascinating how much strategy is involved, how much thinking. I mean, it is very much a chess match. All right, well, let's get a little bit back to our uh, discussion on sales and marketing. You know, I, I just, you know, when you look at your resume and if folks, you know, check you out on your on LinkedIn, you know, they, one thing you notice very quickly is just how involved you are in the community and how much time you spend helping other people. You're a mentor to companies. You spend time at the Foster School of Business at the University of Washington. Uh, clearly very generous with your time and ideas. Uh, what drives that for you? Why has mentorship been such an important part of your professional picture? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it probably goes back just to the early parts of my career um, and just and life and just realizing how important it has been that 
Um, somebody took time to talk to me or to lend me a hand or to connect me with somebody else. And so, you know, there is definitely the aspect of um, giving back, but uh, there's also just the aspect of just how fun it is to be able to uh, interact with a bunch of smart people who are doing great things, um, whether it's in business or whether it's in philanthropy. And then there's always, you know, I feel like my life has become just so much more interesting and fulfilled by just being involved with all those interesting people and and also just applying my brain and uh, to the challenges of, uh, of, of other situations. It's kind of fun to use your thinking cap in an entirely different different forum. So there's a variety of things. I definitely uh, uh, definitely enjoy it. Uh, and anybody who's not already you know, actively um, um, giving of themselves and helping out and getting involved, whether it's at whether it's at school, the community, or with another organization trying to get started, I, I guarantee you're going to get more out of it than you give. So I really encourage it. Yeah, absolutely. And I would imagine that your your passion in mentorship also applies internally as well. Avalara has been on a hiring spree in Seattle uh, for quite a while, especially over the last year. Uh, as you guys build out, you know, brand new buildings and more space in Seattle, in addition to where you found it in, in uh, uh, Bainbridge Island. What, what are some of your team building best practices? I mean, you've, you've been in there for a year. You've gotten a sense for what the culture is. You clearly have been doing a lot of hiring to grow out your team. What are some of the keys you found to building out the right culture within marketing to support your objectives? Yeah, great question. And I have been so lucky throughout my career to just work with and be part of some amazing team. So I've had the opportunity to try things. I've had the opportunity to learn from others. And it really is a constant, uh, you know, constant progression. Uh, uh, I don't know if you ever, uh, if you, there's ever a time where you get to the pinnacle of team leadership or team dynamics. It's a constant uh, growth objective. And so some of the things I've learned and try to apply is that, one is, you hear this a lot, but it is true. Hire people better than you and let them do their job. Um, mm-hmm. I, I often talk uh, with my leadership team, and I uh, call them, hey, you're, we're the board of directors for marketing, and whether it's at Windows or whether it's here now at Avalara. And I really like when uh, I have somebody who's uh, functionally competent and expert in their own area. You know, I have the confidence that they're doing great things and the right things in their area, but then also is able to have the context of the organization overall so that we come together as a team we can sit there and try to problem solve, um, create vision, strategy, um, and drive the team dynamics as it, as this unified group. So I like to use it has this functional depth, but has the broader context and the expectation of hey, when we're together as a leadership team, we are all in this all in this together. I think another thing I try to do, and I always appreciated it in my career, is you know, of course pushing people. People like to be pushed, um, but being able to st- stand behind that and give the confidence to know that, hey, if something does break, if, um, you know, when times do uh, do get tough, that you've got somebody here that's going to be working with you to problem solve, turn this around, and learn from it. So, you know, take those big swings, uh, take some risks because we need it, uh, but know that we're all in this together. And then the last thing I think is just a big vision. It is uh, people respond, the people that we work with, uh, of course, and particularly in technology, I would say, um, these big, hairy goals. Uh, and so just setting out that vision, you know, for Avalara, it's en- enabling every transaction in the world. Our uh, founder, who's been at this for years, had, gets up every morning with just a 
immense amount of passion that flows throughout the organization with that you know singular aspiration and putting that out and then talking about hey here are the steps it's going to take and recognizing the milestones and those or those wins as we go in that direction you know it really mobilizes the team to to perform yeah, I like the way that you describe sort of setting up the team and having that balance between, you know, giving people the room to try new things, to fail, to to step outside their comfort zone, uh, pushing them to do that, but also making it clear that, you know, you expect them to do that and, and you make it acceptable to, to occasionally fail and stumble and learn from that. How does that uh, apply to, to when you're looking for new new employees or when you're looking for junior candidates? I know we had a lot of people listening to Sales Pipeline Radio at the early stages of their career in B2B sales and marketing. Uh, look at a position like yours and say, you know, someday down the road, I'd like to get there as well. What are some of the values? What are some of the skill sets? What are some of the attributes that you look for when you're hiring people early in their career and you recommend people hone as their own skill set as well? Yeah, you know, no, I was, uh, I would have given a, a longer-winded answer until I had the opportunity to uh, hear a hear a talk by Angela Duckworth from the University of Pennsylvania last year, and she sums it up as grit. And there's all kinds of, of uh, aspects behind that, but where have people faced adversity in their life? and been able to overcome that through persistence, through learning from failure. And whether it's somebody you know, straight out of college, um, I often am on the board of my undergraduate and graduate universities both, and so I get a chance to uh, interact with some of our top applicants. And even at an early stage like that, really trying to identify how people have been able to overcome adversity in whatever form and prevailed uh, or learned from that. And then that, of course, uh, when you're talking, whether it's a junior co- uh, candidate out, out of college, uh, same type of thing. College, of course, presents all kinds of challenges, whether social, academic, or others. Um, but then, of course, when you get into more mature um, uh, uh, career professionals later and in, in like being able to take tangible examples of how they've had to lead a business or lead teams through times of adversity and challenge and be able to prevail and learn. Love it. Last question for you that we ask of most of our guests, if there was a Mount Rushmore of sales and marketing. Speaking of learning, speaking of people you learn from, thinking back in your career thus far, uh, the people that are mentors for you, the people that have that you've learned from, whether you knew them personally or whether you spent time, you know, reading them, their 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 content or watching them. You mentioned Angela. You know, who else would be on that Mount Rushmore of sales and marketing for you? Well, I'll tell you, it's probably uh, uh, Raju, uh, Professor Raju is now a vice dean at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, I, when I was taking, uh, when I was getting my MBA, um, as I mentioned earlier, marketing was not on my list. Uh, he had to uh, put up with me uh, and some of my ideas in my uh, introductory marketing strategy class. Um, the way that he um, uh, taught um, really, you know, really inspired me, and I learned a lot. And and now I have the absolute pleasure of uh, serving on a, a board uh, that he's uh, he is the chairman of uh, back at the school. So I get to be able to interact with him on a regular basis and still learning a lot uh, as we go. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank our guest today, CMO of Avalara, Jeremy Course. If you like this conversation today, we have covered a lot of ground in a very short amount of time. If you want to go listen to this again, share this with some of your peers or colleagues, you can definitely find that on demand at sales pipelineradio.com here in just a couple of days. We will also put a highlight 
post uh, featuring some of Jeremy's uh, top answers and comments up on HeinzMarketing.com as well. Thanks very much for everyone for joining us. We are here every Thursday, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern, always available on podcast format on Google Play and iTunes Store. Coming up next couple weeks, next week we will be posting, we will be hosting uh, Sales Pipeline Radio live from Dreamforce. It'll be me and about 130,000 of our good friends in the software as a service world. And coming up over the next few weeks, we've got a bunch of great guests, including Jeremy Wise-Mantle. He is the VP of Marketing at MarchX. We talk an awful lot about online and digital marketing here, but we're going to talk about the offline blind spot for marketings in marketers in an omni-channel world. But until then, for my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks very much for listening. Sales Pipeline Radio. Once again, you've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio, brought to you by the good folks at Matt Hines Marketing, part of the ever-growing channel called the Funnel Radio Network. <laughs>